Welcome to The Age of Trust, a special podcast series brought to you by Verizon that explores how we are securing our future for the fourth industrial revolution, with knowledge becoming critical to Australia's international economic strength. This podcast series explores themes that challenge the productivity of knowledge workers with secure and reliable communications. We discover the explosion in remote working and connectivity and how organizations will need to manage, secure, protect and organize intangible assets such as systems, processes, IP, data, personal information, corporate information and even competitive knowledge. Get ready for the new age of trust by Verizon. Welcome to the Age of Trust podcast. Today we're talking about the future of media, 5G and IoT. As the world's entertainment and businesses have both shifted online, what can we expect from our entertainment and information of the future and what are the technologies that are driving this? Talking about the technology that underpins the future of media, we're speaking with Rob LaBusque, the Vice President Asia Pacific of Verizon Business Group. We're also speaking with Paul Sigaloff, Managing Director of Verizon Media. Paul, Rob, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Corey. Lovely to be here. Morning, Corey. Good to be here. Morning, Rob. Coming to us from Canberra this morning, and Paul, you're in Sydney. Delighted to be able to have a chat to you this morning. Can I ask uh, just a little bit from both of you, just the background and what brings you to both of your respective roles today? Paul, can I start with you? Absolutely. My background is I've been in media for over 20 years, and my journey through to Verizon Media was through a joint venture called Yahoo 7, which was founded in 2006. The premise of the JV was that Yahoo would bring all of the technology and 7 West Media provided um, the digital content. And it was a hugely successful business for over 10 years. Then in June 2017, Verizon acquired both AOL and Yahoo, two of the founding companies of the internet, and Verizon Media Group was formed. There was obviously a little bit more complexity in Australia and New Zealand, given there was a JV, and the decision was made to wind that down. And we launched Verizon Media in 2018. But Verizon Media is all about connecting people to their passions through trusted content connections and commerce. And we have powerful brands like Yahoo Mail, Yahoo Finance, HuffPost, and TechCrunch, which attract over 900 million global monthly users. And we ensure people stay informed and entertained through our trusted content. So we're very much a media business. And then on top of that, we've got Verizon ad platforms, which is a pretty sophisticated piece of technology underpinned by a lot of proprietary data. And that's all about the automated buying and selling of media, which is a very much a growing trend in the world. And we talk about Verizon Media sitting at the intersection of culture and code. And in our two years of operations in Australia and New Zealand, we've had a pretty good run growing our audience user base by the 20% through bringing a lot of those brands to life. And we've also helped solve our clients' business objectives through our advertising and technology solutions. And Rob, you have a regional role from a Verizon Business Group perspective. Tell us about your remit, so to speak. Sure. So, Corey, I've been with the company for almost 20 years, 19 and a little bit. And predominantly, aside from one small assignment or one relatively short period of time, the vast majority of my experience has been serving enterprise and government customers in the Asia-Pacific region. So, based here in Australia, I joined the company in Singapore and spent seven or eight years 
working in the Asia region before moving back to Australia. Uh, for us in the Asia-Pacific region, from a VBG perspective, we really represent a challenger to the market and a challenger to incumbency. So when we look to serve our enterprise and government customers in this region, we're here to provide competition and choice comparative to some of the regional and local providers in the markets. And we've been tremendously successful in that. We've been operating in the Asia-Pacific region for more than 20 years, right here in Australia for more than 20 years as well, where we have a very strong base of both networking and cybersecurity assets that we bring to bear for our customers here. And that, I guess, brings me to the point that I was really interested to talk to both of you about in this discussion is, Paul, you described the Verizon media business and obviously the relationship with technology. Rob, you've talked about networks, cybersecurity. They seem to be quite different aspects of the, the market. How do the businesses work together? What do you see as sort of moving forward, the nexus between the two and, and how will that change and evolve? Good question, Corey. I think if you step back and think about what Verizon as a company focuses on, it's to build the networks that will move the world forward. And when we talk about networks in the context of our strategy, we think about networks of data and information and infrastructure. We also think about networks of people. We think about networks of content, networks of consumers, networks that embody communities as well. All of those aspects of how we define that is what we seek to serve. And they vary around the world, dependent upon the markets, the customer bases, and the solutions that we bring to bear. So when you think about the relationship between the various groups under the Verizon brand, it's very obvious when you tie it back to that overall strategy. And that is that we seek to build connections, communities, and communications that help to drive businesses, consumers, or society forward. Uh, and we do that in a variety of different ways. Paul, that brings me to the question, how entertainment and business has shifted online. And I think we've never seen a greater step change, particularly from a consumer perspective. That's looked like in, in the last four to five months. And obviously, there's technology that begins that. Yeah. What are you seeing now and the big changes? And what's the relationship between technology and the way people consume media? Oh, look, there's a huge amount of change. And I think online usage and adaptation has really shifted exponentially. And when we're out and we're talking to customers, some customers are saying, you know, what's our digital strategy? You know, where are we going to be in four or five years? And, you know, our message is digital is now. It's not really the future. And people really expect that seamless experience. They don't want lag or buffering when it comes to the content consumption. And I think if you think about the global pandemic and everything that's, that's happened now and working from home and people spending a lot more time sort of being disconnected through people, the role of technology has been incredibly important. So in terms of the evolution of that, 5G is a very, very important part of that. And that is something we've been talking to our customers about. And the number one questions I always get asked is, how fast is 5G going to be? And sort of an analogy that I talk about is if you want to download a two-hour film, in 3G, it would take the time it took to fly from Sydney to New York. 4G is about the time it takes to run a mile quickly. And 5G, if you ask the question, has it downloaded yet? That's how fast 5G is. But I think what's interesting about technology and the evolution of that is the first kind of wireless call was made in 1983, and a lot's changed since then. So if you kind of run through the history of the Gs, uh, 1G was all about voice calls, 2G was much more about texting, we then get to 3G, and that was much more about data and apps and how people are downloading apps and consuming via those. 4G is really all about mobile video, and you think about 
how people are streaming, be it Netflix, be it Yahoo Sport, Yahoo News, having to post that content consumption has grown enormously. And testament to that, you know, when we see how consumption has changed just since the pandemic, we've grown our audiences over 30% in half one of this year. So that goes back to the importance of that trusted content. But what's interesting is, you know, 5G then propels a lot about the innovation of those content experiences. And today we will walk around with our smartphones in our pocket. And smartphones are incredible pieces of technology. And if you think about the memory and the RAM that those phones have, you've actually got more power in your smartphone than you had in the Apollo 11 rocket that first put man on the moon. So it's not that phones are going to actually get faster. Um, you know, what's going to change is that we're entering this 5G post-smartphone era. So that's where the phones don't start to need to have all of that sort of incredible memory because it'll be processing all of the information that's cascaded through 5G, our 5G networks. And that is going to be very, very exciting. So when you think about the consumer experiences around that, that opens up a whole new world of the Internet of Things. And fundamentally, that's going to change how we buy groceries. Your fridge will know what's in it. If you're looking up a recipe and you're saying, what do I need for this recipe? Your fridge will say, well, actually, you've got these ingredients, but you only need these extra ones. Click a button here and we'll be shipping those to your house so you can cook what you need. It's the way you try on clothes. So you've got volumetric capture. So now when you go online shopping, you know, it's like, oh, will the size fit? Well, you'll actually be able to have a 3D image of yourself and you'll be watching the clothes on your actual body so you can know how they fit and how that works well. Or even buying furniture. I'm doing some renovations at the moment and planning for that. And, you know, you're out with a measuring tape and you're just going, well, what, what will fit there and, and, and how will that work? Well, using this technology, you'll be taking an image of the room. You can then overlay that with coffee tables or sofas or rugs. So just in terms of those real-time consumer experiences, things are going to change exponentially. And our job really at the moment is to get our customers on the journey and really talk to them about what 5G means for their business and ultimately what can they do about that. And, and we live in a, a three-dimensional world. So when we're out and about, we love the sun on our face, not over this weekend, the wind in our hair. We definitely had a bit of that, but we love that human connectivity. And when you bring it back to media consumption, a lot of the stuff is very 2D. Even the best work you see, it's flat. So what 5G is going to enable us to do is to really lift that up and to create much more meaningful experiences. But one thing I would say is that 5G isn't widespread. I know some of the statistics I've read saying that half the US are going to have access to 5G by the end of next year. And by 2024, 50% of people from the US are going to have access to smartphones. But I might throw to Rob because he's much better place to talk about 5G from an Australian perspective. Yeah, thanks, Paul. And, you know, Corey, Paul has painted a very compelling picture of what the future sort of blend of consumerism and technology will look like, and it will get there. It's not fanciful. It's not science fiction. And I think uh, notwithstanding Paul's comments around how long it will take for those networks to emerge, they'll actually arrive much faster than we think. And so that 5G future that we're articulating and speaking about from a consumer perspective will appear. And once it appears, it'll accelerate very rapidly. Now, when you think about a smartphone, think about the fact that a smartphone is really the front door into a vast amount of technology change, investment and innovation that needs to bring that 5G vision to life. It's not just what sits in your hand on the phone. It is the networks, the infrastructure, the carriage and the intelligence into all of the systems of support that, uh, that help to actually deliver that experience. And so that's a big focus for Verizon as an organisation as well. 
One of the key things required as a first step is access to appropriate spectrum, and we're seeing that happen. And one of the most interesting areas that we're seeing starting to emerge in the Asia-Pacific region is that governments are starting to think differently about spectrum and contemplate not only spectrum availability for public carriers, but also allocating portions of spectrum for private use so that I might, if I'm an organisation running a campus or a factory or a large distributed site, I could think about building and deploying a private 5G network to help me meet my business objectives and outcomes as well. So when we speak with customers here in Australia, despite the fact that broad-based 5G infrastructure may well be 18 to 24 months away, in terms of enterprise investment and company investment, that timeline is actually relatively short. And so the vast majority of the conversation we have right now with companies and with governments is how do I build for a 5G future? How do I make investment today in my technology and infrastructure that is going to set me up to be able to leverage and capitalise on that 5G infrastructure and access when it arrives? In simple terms, how do I build a digital-ready network that will help me to move my business forward for the next 10 to 15 years? So that's an important part of the dialogue right now, and it's one that's growing very rapidly. And I think that future around 5G access uh, enablement and capability in Australia, I don't think we've even started to understand the opportunity and the economic advantage that that could unlock. It will take very smart people developing applications, thinking about the infrastructure and the capability once it arrives. And, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. In times like this, with access to that tremendous technology and capability, I think we're going to see some amazing things emerge. I've heard uh, it described as like 4G really gave birth to Uber. We all know how Uber transforms lives. And if you only think of what it will be that 5G will bring and why can't I be that entrepreneur? It sounds like both of you are really working with customers and partners around bringing the, you know, actualising what 5G will deliver and laying out the roadmap and working with them to realise what the potential is. Are there common themes, I wonder, in terms of where people are at in really grasping exactly how transformative 5G will be and what they need to be doing to prepare for it. But I'm just wondering, is there any particular area that people, the penny really hasn't dropped on exactly what they need to be doing right now? I was just going to make a comment, Corey. You know, you can describe 4G as changing lives. 5G is already demonstrating it has the ability to save them. The work and the investment that we're doing with first responders in the United States to help them use transformative 5G technology to assess risks and be able to respond to emergency situations is well advanced. In the medical space, we're seeing live programs of work now using a combination of 5G technology as well as edge capability to help doctors do not only remote diagnostics, but diagnostics involving artificial intelligence to be able to better understand risks and threats when they're diagnosing a patient they wouldn't necessarily see otherwise. And the third area is, you know, you can't really have a fully autonomous vehicle rolling around public roads without a a very robust, reliable 5G network. And the ultra low latency that that delivers will literally save lives. Millimetres matter and milliseconds matter when a car is braking so that they don't hit a pedestrian. So we're seeing those sorts of applications start to emerge already. There'll be many, many more. Just from a media perspective, I mean, technology is absolutely driving 
the changing needs of consumers. And obviously, at Verizon Media, we're betting super big on 5G. And, and you touched on education, and, and there is a real need for that 5G readiness. I think that's absolutely essential. And how you need to prepare, what investments you need to make, and ultimately the implications on how that's going to change your relationship with your customers, your consumers, and as a, an advertiser, your brand and, and what that makes. So I think really our advice is to our customers now is a fun time. It's a time to experiment, dial up that experimentation. And we're very well placed to capitalize on, on that because we've got um, 5G enabled studios in LA and in London, and certainly there's aspirations to build in Sydney also. And I just wanted to talk through a couple of examples of some of that um, trialing. So one of them is the NFL Super Bowl. So that's a great example of where in the US we've got 5G enabled stadiums and in Miami for the Super Bowl, we enabled 5G phones. So people could watch the game and I love watching live sport, a little bit less of watching that at the moment, but you're there and you're watching your live sport, but you can actually power up your phone and start to watch the sport through your phone and you have this augmented reality. So you can start to see the players playing, you can click on the players, you can get live stats, scores, Often when you watch live sports, sometimes you miss something, but actually you can get a, a kind of a repeat of the play. So you don't miss any of the play in that live environment, which is great. And then you've got an interactive stadium. So again, you can start to play around with sponsors and rather than just having sort of flat advertising, you can have gamification, there might be offers, etc. And I think that's a great example of how 5G can enhance that consumer experience. And we're going to see a lot more of that in the sporting environments and in the entertainment environments as well. And just when you think about spending time in a stadium, if you just want to know what restaurants are available and where they are, again, that augmented reality will have like a map of the stadium. Again, if you want to buy merchandise, you can actually buy it online right there from your seat versus going up and queuing and, and getting for it. So um, that's going to be sort of a really exciting opportunity and example of how, from a sport perspective, that'll work. The second example I wanted to talk through was a very fresh concept that literally launched last week, and that was what we call the fabric of reality. So think about how the pandemic's had a big impact on the way that you are shopping. And, you know, I can observe from my family that there's not a lot of people going out to the high street or to, to malls at the moment. Everything's pretty much pivoted to online shopping. So you overlay that with people that work in the fashion industry. And obviously, thinking about fashion lines and new seasons, fashion designers always used to showcase their collections at, at catwalks. But given the uh, restrictions placed upon us at the moment, they're sort of cancelled indefinitely. So armed with that problem, Riot, which is Verizon Media's in-house creative studio, worked with designers and with augmented reality specialists. And we came up with this concept called the fabric of reality. And that's really about having an immersive fashion experience where not only people can go and experience the, the fashion lines and the catwalks, but also play around with this virtual world. And that was probably the first example I've seen of a, of a new use case that's going to be very, very repeatable and scalable. So I'm excited about the opportunities bringing that sort of concept here to Australia and then recreating that. So uh, a couple of examples there of, of how 5G is really having a, a big impact on consumers. A really interesting time for the market to suddenly understand the power of augmented reality, but also, as you said in the later example, virtual reality is where, you know, continue to be grounded. I did see the Age of Human presentation that you referred to from Riot, which was amazing, but it does make you realise that as we go to the Age of Human, we're talking about 5G, that 
the amount of data that's now flowing around that is really personal data brings us back to the title of this podcast, you know, the age of trust. We are now talking about, again, a step change in the amount of personal information that we're generating, exhaust if you like. So, Rob, I know that trusted networks, trusted communication is very much at the heart of the Verizon business. And how do you see those two interrelating? Yeah, great question. There's no doubt that trust is under attack in Australia at the moment across many dimensions, not only due to pandemic response and some of the decisions that have been made there, but I think it was under attack prior to that. As technology increases in complexity, it can tend to have a couple of secondary impacts. The first is it can tend to abstract and disassociate the relationship that a company has with their consumer or their customer, if not treated and managed well. I'll give an example of that in a moment. And what technology can also do as it increases in complexity is it reduces understanding and the ability to assess risk. And we've seen some examples of that in the Australian context over the last couple of years where highly complex technology systems or upgrades have been made by certain organisations which have then caused them to fall foul of compliance, money laundering compliance and other areas due to the, to the level of complexity in the technology that they were seeking to deploy. On the consumer side, it's this ever-present question of who has my information, what happens to that information and how much control do I have over it after it leaves my smartphone or, or my laptop. And so all of those elements together engender this question of trust. Uh, when we talk to organisations and governments and enterprises here in Australia, never more than today has that question of who do you actually trust become critical to the choices you make about who you want to do business with. And at Verizon, we take that really seriously. We have a very strong set of core values. We have a very strong credo, which articulates who we are and why we do what we do. And we stand behind that because we believe that despite the technology and all of the advancement and all of the great things that we can bring to bear as, uh, as the fruits of our organisation to help build digital ready networks and solutions for customers, at the core of it is how we act. At the core of it is how, as an organisation, as individuals, as a leadership team, we act for and on behalf of our customers. And it can sometimes be uh, regarded as a little bit of an old-fashioned concept, but I think it's more powerful and more important now than it has been for a very long time. And that is directly correlated to the increasing complexity of technology and the inability of any one person or any one team to really understand that technology to the nth degree to be able to assess its risk clearly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Rob. And I think there's a lot of overlap with how Verizon Media Group starts to look at this as well. I mean, it's all about putting trust in the control of the hands of our consumers. And that's absolutely where we come at it from. I mean, certainly when you look at the change in legislation, you've got obviously GDPR across Europe, the CCPA in California, and Rod Sims will certainly be dialing up the ACCC. There's going to be a lot of change around privacy regulation. So our view to our customers and all of our consumers is that trust and transparency are the core pillars of Verizon Media's business approach. And bringing that to life is really important. So if we're transparent with our users, it's all about empowering them around those controls. And there are three ways that we do. First of all is around those privacy dashboards. So there is a lot of complexity around when people use products and services. What exactly does that mean? So we give them a lot of control through granular settings for data that means that they can sort of have that, that comfort because they're making the decisions. 
We're also very transparent. We have a, a downloadable CSV list. So we do a lot of advertising audience segments for targeting, and they can then understand where they fall into those segments. Is there a level of comfort from a targeting perspective? And if they're happy with that, that's fine. If they would then like to remove that, that's absolutely fine, which takes us on to the third point, which is around managing your own data. So that's about the ability to opt in, opt out, the portability of people's own data. So for us, compliance isn't just about global data regulation. It's actually a really great opportunity to build trust directly into the innovation and the relationship with our customers. So the call out that we have as a business is that everybody in the digital ecosystem has to build trust with their consumers. And if they do that, and they can be transparent, and they can do that through actionable communication, then the world's just going to be in a much better, safer place. So, And as Rob touched on, I mean, there's so much in terms of keeping data safe, and we're very, very fortunate to have Verizon Business Group in terms of our partners to leverage that. So um, that works really seamlessly between the groups. Absolutely. And really interesting times when we're talking about how quickly things are moving and how that communication effort to make sure that you're bringing customers and consumers along for the journey in an open and transparent way. I think we're reaching time, but I just wanted to ask you both, it's been a huge year already. It feels like it's actually been four years. So between now and the end of the year, what's exciting you the most and what are the things that will hold you focused for the next three to four months as we kind of crash into Christmas? Firstly, Corey, how great is technology? When you think about, I would say this often before 2020, Think about it in the context of this year. Think about what technology has been able to do to help us to transform and react and respond to these extraordinary events that have befallen us all at the start of this year. And imagine a pandemic response in this country without the ability that technology provides for remote working, for the ability to continue commerce and trade over the internet or remotely. And think about the reliance now on that core technology for the future prosperity of the country as a whole. And so what really excites me is making sure that we continue to maintain that operational efficacy and find new ways for that technology to help drive business forward. I don't like using the phrase the new normal. I actually think that we're going to be heading into a period of sustained change. That change will last for a number of years And I think that the changes that we see more broadly will be very up and down for a period of time to come as well. And so when you think about that disruption and that change over a sustained period of time with technology as a foundation, as a constant within that, then we have the ability to actually deliver great value, not only to our customers, to enterprises and governments, but also to consumers and to the economy at large. And that's what our focus is. Yeah, and from a Verizon Media Group perspective, we've got a lot of momentum coming out of H1 into H2, and I think we're really excited about building on that. A lot of stuff that we're doing is continuing to take our customers on the journey through being human and helpful during these extraordinary times. So from a news reporting perspective, it's just being very, very transparent, making sure that you know we're as up-to-date as possible and that we can continue to uh, tell the truth and make sure that those consumption experiences are reflected of consumers. Looking at it through an advertising lens, we've got a lot of momentum through our DSP, through a lot of the investment within that. We're looking at omni-channel. So that's the evolution, really, of how you can not just look at data in silos and media in silos, but looking at our native products, our connected TV products, audio, and really 
knitting it all together to make sure that we have really effective solutions for our advertisers that deliver greater return on investment for them. And most importantly, it's for our people as well, just maintaining that our people are well and safe and just making sure that the business continues to operate in a really, really safe and positive way through these uh, difficult times. Thank you, Paul. And I'm going to latch on to human and helpful. I think it really is a, a phrase for our time. So Paul Sigaloff, the Managing Director of Verizon Media, Rob LaBusque, Regional Director for Verizon Business Group. Thank you so much. I was really looking forward to this conversation today. It did not disappoint. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this special Verizon Age of Trust podcast. For more, keep tuning in to Innovation Oz podcast or go to verizon.com.